Welcome to this special episode of the Bronx Shear Basketball Show. It's our NBA Finals post-game edition of the show. Uh, I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, Nathan. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, we're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it is currently 2 p.m. on Thursday, the 1st of October. We've just finished watching that game one of the NBA Finals, and now we're going to break it down for you. It's going to be a great show. It's time for tip-off. Once again, welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. Again, this is our post-finals game special edition episode. We'll be doing an episode after every NBA Finals game and reacting to how they each went. Today's game one, the Lakers came away winners 116 to 98 was the final score. They won by 18 points, obviously. What do you think, JL? Look, the, the score doesn't really reflect how close the game was The in terms of, I'm sorry, not how close it was, how much of a blowout it was, I should say. The Lakers, after going down quite early by 13 points, just blew the heat out. Um, it got to 30 at one stage, and then you know the Lakers took the foot off the pedal. How much we can take away from this game, I'm not too sure because, you know, it is a seven-game series. But the Lakers look like the more comfortable team, the more dominant team. And as we predicted, it looks like it's quite heavily heavily siding the Lakers. For all those that haven't yet checked out our last episode, uh, make sure you do. We did an NBA Finals preview episode and Jack and I both predicted that the Lakers would win this series uh, in five games. And we both also... Th- thought that LeBron James would be finals MVP and we'll talk about the finals MVP a bit later but in terms of how I felt about the game uh, what can you say it's it's a bit bit I said to you before it's a bit of an anti-climax and and we're definitely going to touch on these injuries to Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo the the heat looked bright early but then uh, it, it just looked like the inevitable to quote Thanos the Lakers just <laughs> rolled in and took advantage of the uh, injuries to the Heat, and they were too good. Yeah, so like Miami came out with a, it was a blistering start. Jimmy was aggressive. Jay Crowder mm. was hitting his shots, which we saw he didn't do that in the conference finals, excluding Game One. Um, and it sort of changed when Dwight Howard, Howard was taken out of the game. Um, the Lakers went for that AD playing the five because you know those first few minutes that pick and roll between Bam and Butler, they were just going to work with Dwight Howard sort of being lost there. And as soon as he's out of the game, it just allows so much more. The, the Lakers are just able to switch on most, you know, on most offensive possessions. Um, and from that point on, it was just the Lakers running away with it. 
That's it. So those injuries we talked about, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure if Dragic did play the first half out, but he definitely didn't return in the second half. Uh, he And he was listed doubtful, of course, and then eventually not going to return. He ended up uh, getting scans, x-rays, and what, what's the injury he's uh, been reported to have, JL? Here you go, just... Don't, don't want to have to say any of the tough words. <laughs> you <laughs> so, say it. <laughs> so uh, Woj has tweeted um, that he suffered a plantar tear in his left foot. So uh, the plantar fascia is the, uh, the ligament that goes from the heel to like the ball of your foot. Um, it's an uncomfortable, <laughs> uncomfortable injury. So I've had plantar fasciitis, which is a much lighter, lighter version of it, I suppose, the easiest way to put it. Um, and it's just sort of, it just limits everything you can do. Obviously a tear is just the worst news depending how, well, the, the severity of it. Yeah. Um, I did read though that Joe Johnson in 2013, um, he tore his plantar fascia in game two in the first round against Chicago. Um, yeah. And then he was injected with, I'm assuming cortisone um, before every single game and managed to play out the series, but he was pretty awful for those games. Just couldn't really move laterally. <laughs> couldn't really explode off his foot. So, whether Dragic will play or not sort of hasn't been announced yet. Um, but if he does, he'll be a shell of himself, I'm sure. And he will be very sorely missed by the Miami Heat as they sort of performed in that second half. His shot creation, just how well he's been playing in these playoffs, it's going to be pretty scary for the Heat if he can't um, play again in the series. Over to the other injury, uh, Bam Adebayo in the third quarter, I believe, he sort of came down after a, a defensive rebound play in, next to LeBron and looked like his left shoulder was uh, giving him some discomfort. I understand he was battling through that in the conference finals as well. What's the what's the status of him? Well, he had a X-ray post-game. Um, and Malika Andrews of ESPN said the x-rays came back negative, which for the Miami Heat's a good result. Um, but yeah, it was bothering me in the conference finals and it was negative then as well. So whether it's just a little niggle that won't show up or who knows, but it's obviously providing some discomfort. However, before game six against the Celtics series, he said he was fine. Um, so whether it's, you know, he's putting on a brave face to the media and doesn't want to create any excuses or it's just re-aggravated what was there. Not too sure yet, but I'm sure he'll push through. Um, he's he's tough. We saw him with that wrist injury as well in the Celtics series. So I've no doubt he'll be ready to play in game two. And he's definitely been, you'd say, the best player for the Heat overall this these playoffs. So again, just like Dragic, if he's missing, and like we've talked about in all our episodes, the Heat are so unique with their team approach and just everyone you know plays their part. Simply, you take out two of these main players. They're not like taking out superstars, but few pieces uh, missing from the puzzle is going to be very counterproductive for their championship hopes. But so that tells the story of the the game, really, and how the Lakers sort of ran away with it. But let's sort of dive into how each team went defensively and offensively, stuff like that. How do you think that the Heat went defensively today? They didn't necessarily play bad defense or anything like that. But I think they were just outmatched. Um, and we said this going into it, Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis would be a pretty decent matchup. Um, we're both quite 
high on Bam's defensive ability. Uh, he's so good on the perimeter. But once he's out of the game, the Miami Heat were trying to play Crowder and Iguodala as their bigs. And yeah. it was just the way the Lakers staggered the minutes, they made sure that Davis was on the floor at those times because he was just taking advantage of it time and time again. Um, other than that, they didn't go to their zone really. They did when LeBron sat, which I thought was a good option. Just makes that entry pass into Davis a bit harder um, and doesn't really allow for you know their shooters to get that much space. However, yep. we saw a few breakdowns there. Like Danny Green had a completely wide open three because Butler just didn't rotate. Um, but it was all pretty stock standard. It was just that the the Lakers were able to outwork them and just, it, once again, just a matchup difference. In a game like this, it's so hard to tell how the Heat defended and any positives you can try and pick out. They obviously, as you said, they didn't really go to the zone, but I, I also thought that it was just in the theme of the game the game was more like more or less over by I don't know three quarter time or after Half the third time, quarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if other countries say three quarter time in no, Australia. It annoys me so much. In in Australia, that means uh, the end of the third quarter. That that break between third and fourth. So the game was pretty much over, and I just thought, how can I, how can we sort of analyze? I did see that very early. You know, when it was competitive, that yeah, they were throwing. Crowder at AD, I believe it was, and Jimmy was going to LeBron. And it was, I guess, interesting to see Crowder go. You know, he's feeling good and he was hitting shots to start off with. He had a nice game for, I guess, his standards. Um, But if AD, and this is my uh, big criticism of AD half the time, he's not aggressive enough. He's just literally too timid. And if he is aggressive, which he seemed to be today. He was sealing down low, especially, I mean, there was a couple of just plays you just remember in your mind when they showed the replay of him sealing down low with uh, Solomon Hill. I remember for the second or third quarter, but that's good active big man stuff. I know that, for example, Joel Embiid, he doesn't seal quick enough uh, in the post and AD was doing that. And then if he wants to go stand out, um, on for the corner three, you got Dwight Howard with the the rebounding. The Lakers were aggressive, especially AD today, and the Miami defense, as the game told, couldn't really do much about it. In terms of the Lakers defense, though, and we talk about how well they've been defensively all year, they were just great. I don't know if there was anything special about it, but they were just no. Well, you they get, put. Um, the only notable thing was putting LeBron on Butler to begin the game. And that surprised me a little bit. Um, I don't know. I sort of thought he'd go to um, to Crowder just to get LeBron a bit of rest on defense. But as soon as I saw LeBron che- checking Butler, I was like, LeBron is locked in. He's ready to play 48 minutes of hard basketball here. And when he's doing that, you know, we know when we've seen time and time again that it's almost impossible to stop. And it allowed... Davis to rest him playing on Crowder for the most part and Dwight was loading up against Adebayo. It just meant Davis had all this energy. But then what the Lakers did was during free throws and as soon as Miami would put a shot up, Davis would go down to the other end of the floor. Yeah, he does it all the time. Really see. And especially because Miami's quite small, is that they don't the Lakers don't need help rebounding the ball, especially at the free throw line with LeBron and Dwight there. 
So they were going to play that risky game of if he's down the court, if they score, we throw it long. If they miss, we throw it long. And yeah. it was like one time we was matched up against Hero, I think, and I think Hero fouled him. So it, w- it was a pretty good result for Miami in the end. But it's just a good way to just stop, slow the game down, cause foul trouble. And if they don't want to foul, it's an easy basket. Moving on, we I've got two questions coming up here on our little notes thing for our structure. The second one is what won this game or who won it? And then the one before that is how did each team go offensively? And I'm just going to mesh those two questions into one. The thing that won this game, apart from the Miami injuries that, you know, stunted their performance a bit, the thing that won this game was the Lakers shooting. They they were yeah, unbelievable. Definitely. I think I remember Mike Breen yelling at one stage that they were 13 of 19, something something ridiculous like that from three and talking about the Miami Heat being the deadly three-point team coming into this series. If the Lakers are hitting threes around AD and LeBron's paint dominance, just what are we watching for, JL? <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw... I saw it was only on Twitter, so don't fact check, or maybe you should fact check me on this. Um, but I'm pretty sure the Lakers are undefeated in the playoffs if they shoot 30% from three. Wow. And most teams, if they're shooting 30% or less, they're thinking we struggle today. And the Lakers probably are too, but just as long as there's some shooting out there, AD and LeBron will be able to get to the bucket. Yeah. And then the uh, first half today, the Lakers were 65% from three. And there was one stat I saw, which was just, this blew my mind for how well the Lakers were shooting. And the Miami didn't shoot bad by any means. They were at 31.4% for the game, so 11 of 35. But the Lakers missed 15 of their last 17 threes and still shot a better percentage than the Heat. So they finished at 39.5. So that just shows how hot they were early on. So that's yeah, where it tells the, the story. Once they blew it open, there was nothing Miami could do. It didn't, ma- it didn't matter that the Lakers went cold at the end of the game. It was game over from you know, midway through the third. They got some nice uh, dropped-in threes by Markeith Morris. He hit two of three. Uh, Danny Green, who a lot of people have been criticizing, was three of eight. That's What do you call that? The reliable three of eight? There's I don't know what the term is, but there's some sort of term that, you know when you go like four of nine, three of eight, you know, the one, just one before half? I've never heard it, but I like it. Well, I'm creating it. <laughs> When someone hits three of eight or four of 10 or... So just shy uh, of 50%, you're saying? Yeah, just shy of 50%. But that's a nice three of eight performance from Danny Green. He had a plus 21 in the game. I know it was a bit of a blowout, but Danny Green's been pretty underwhelming this playoffs, and I'm sure Lakers fans were pleased to see him have a nice game. And uh, also, Alice Caruso, one of two... (laughs) Sorry, one of three from three, which is nice. That's just that's just under fifty percent. Pretty stock standard. Um, too ten points. Caruso. I mean, I'm not a Lakers fan. I don't watch every one of their games, but he always seems to do good things. You know, in, when you watch him as sort of a neutral, and you watch however many Lakers games a year as a neutral. Well, I sort of look at him as you've got specialists in the NBA as rotation players. So you've got Duncan Robinson on the other side, who's just there to shoot threes. You've got Lou Williams on the Clippers, who's just there to score. And Caruso, for his size, is a decent rebounder. He'll always get you a few assists. Decent defender, not a lockdown defender by any means coming off the bench, but 
a good team defender. He can score the ball. So he just does a lot of different things. And I think when we looked back to what went wrong with the Clippers, having someone like Lou Williams in the playoffs means that you can't leave him out there for too long because defenses yeah. will attack him. Whereas if you've got a lot of well-rounded players that can do a little bit of everything, it just means they're out, like, so much more playable during the playoffs. Like Rondo as well, his passing, his defense, his ability to get to the cup, even if he looks to score. Um, Markeith Morris as well, decent interior defender, can shoot from outside. As long as you've got people that can do a few different things, it'll just help the team just by tenfold in a way. So yeah, Caruso had a great game. Just always just does a little bit of everything. Let's move to finals MVP watch. I think it's pretty obvious who, if the finals MVP award was given out now, who would take it? Do you, do you want to say it for me? <laughs> you think it's obvious? Oh yeah. Are you saying AD? Yeah. Are you saying... Okay. Okay. Hey, like LeBron's amazing, but, and he was great, but, as I said before, aggressive AD showed up today. Yeah. And also I'm taking into account, and this has my filter put on top of awards can always be narrative driven. Right now, if the NBA Kia and all that shit was about to award it, they'd give it to AD. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's an obvious choice, but I would say AD played better this game. Um, yeah. But that didn't surprise me. I thought that, and LeBron definitely did it. I knew he'd come out passive initially and just look to get everyone else going because he knows he can get his own once, you know, it comes down to it. Um, yeah. In terms of who's going to win it, I think that Davis will definitely have a higher points per game. Uh, his stats will look a bit flashier. He might shoot, even though LeBron was more efficient today, Davis might be later on. So I don't know whether the voters look to credit that or they'll recognize that LeBron initiates all the offense and Davis is the biggest, um, he benefits from that more than anyone else. Um, so LeBron had nine assists today, probably had about three or four passes that would have been assisted, ended up in free throws. The um, hockey assists. Yeah, hockey assists as well, where he passed to someone that would then pass to the scorer. So look, it. I don't, I think the narrative will definitely be behind LeBron. The voters will, it's, you know, it's LeBron's team. Everyone's obsessed with at the moment, and they always have been. So, look, who knows, I suppose, is the only thing I could do. But, again, Davis is the better defender, so you could argue either way at the moment. Yeah, um, and we both predicted before the series that LeBron would get it. With the heat injuries, I think that LeBron and AD fighting for finals MVP on the low, you know, they're, they're not going to say it. That might be the most entertaining matchup we have for this series. <laughs> oh, how sad is that? But I, yeah. I unfortunately agree if Dragic is out, which is what's looking likely at the moment. Um, but you never know because, like, as we saw early in the game, and I know this was like a five-minute sample size, if the Heat are hitting their shots like they were and Butler was so aggressive, they're going to have these little runs and someone like Tyler Hero today didn't play well at all. He was he terrible. Up with 14 points, 6 of 18 from the field, but he was so reckless as well once he came into the game. Um, so if he gets going, Duncan Robinson gets going, there's still a chance that, you know, the Heat will have these runs where they might steal a game. Um, but the one thing I'm sort of keeping my eye on, actually two, I'm going to going to give it to two. Two things I'm going to watch out for. Kendrick Nunn was a very pleasant surprise today for the Heat fans because... Yeah, he started all year over Dragic, 
was in the bubble, got got coronavirus, was shipped out of the bubble, and never really made it back into the rotation. And when he sort of did play a little bit of minutes so far in the playoffs, he's been inefficient, hasn't looked aggressive. But, you know, he was second in rookie of the year voting, was first team all rookie ahead of Hero. So we do know that he can play. So if he's back into the starting lineup, obviously it's a big hit because Jaiuc is the better player and it just depletes their bench even more. But I think he can hold his own for a few minutes there. But the other thing I want to keep an eye on is what uh, Eric Spolstra does in terms of when Bam's off the floor, what are you going to do to defend AD? Yeah. And they've got Kaliolinik, who was put in today for a bit of time and ended up playing extended minutes because it was a blowout and Bam went down. And he's not but going he- to get the job done. But then Myers Leonard, we know he can shoot the ball well. <laughs> and I think Spolster is going to have to insert him into the game as well, just for a few minutes here and there, just to, even if it eats up a few fouls, those yeah. two players are going to have to do something to try and stop AD because at the moment it's as soon as Bam goes to the bench, Davis will be in the game and he'll be scoring 10 points in eight minutes. It's going to be interesting moving forward. I I don't have much to comment on. I, I did like Kendrick Nunn, as you said, but um, I don't have much to comment on what the Heat can do sort of better. I don't think we got any type of sample size from today. So hopefully in game two, Hopefully there's no injuries, even if Dragic has to be out. Um, we can just analyze, you know, Kendrick Nunn and whoever's in the lineup from there. But yeah, the Miami Heat need to pull something out of their ass, basically, whether it is Myers Leonard or um, Udonis Haslam. Yeah, bring back Haslam. <laughs> Did you know a little fun factoid, Nate, because I don't know how many people know this, but when Haslam signed his latest contract and it was pretty much to be a coach there more or less and just help around in the locker room and be that veteran presence there. But in his contract, it said when he wants to play, Spolstra must put him in the game. Oh, so okay. he's got the option as a player. I know he's not going to do it in the finals, of course, but how like, I've never heard of anything like that where if he yeah. says, yep, coach put me in, Spolstra has to do it. Yeah, that's I've, I've never heard of that, but I'd say a lot of... Uh... A lot of players should be looking into that type of clause. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I guess we'll sort of wrap it up here. I just want to finish off with a, a very terrible pun, a dad joke that I just came up with in my mind, JL. Oh, no. Um, so Duncan Robinson, and this is not even relevant to Australians because in Australia, our Dunkin' Donuts are... <laughs> And you can see where this is going. Oh. <laughs> um, Kins, uh, our Dunkin' Donuts is called Donut King. I'm pretty sure it's the same sort of I company, so. like like Burger King, Hungry Jacks. Anyway, yeah. Duncan Robinson had a total of how many points today, JL? A big fat zero. A big fat donut. And so, <laughs> if I was him, I'd be looking into a sponsorship from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you're apologizing for it. <laughs> I'm sorry to our audiences for having to sit through that. But anyway, that is our game one post-game uh, reaction and review. JL, thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you on Saturday our time. Uh, the game is Friday US time, but I'll uh, talk to you Saturday when we'll review game two. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. This has been our special NBA Finals post-game episode edition thing. 
Uh, <laughs> well said, um, <laughs> it's such a long sentence. But anyway, if you are new to the show, don't forget to follow or subscribe, whatever that button is on your podcast app. We are on all podcast apps. So if you'd like to change podcast apps or recommend us to a friend, we'll be on any of the ones you look for us in. If you are on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, don't forget to give us a five-star rating or leave a review. It really helps the show. And also don't forget to check out us on social media. We're currently running, we're still running that awesome, forgot to mention that, shit. We're still running that awesome uh, giveaway, JL, for the Kobe Bryant Lakers Black Mamba Edition jersey. Yeah, I don't know how you forgot that because you've been bothering me about it to promote it for the last few days. <laughs> um, so make sure you check that out. I'm doing your work for you, Nafe. Um, yeah. It's a limited edition Black Mamba jersey for the Lakers are going to wear in game two. It's got eight at the front, 24 at the back with Bryant's mm. name on it. I should be the host of the show. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was sold out in like seconds when Nike first initially released it, but we've got a, an exclusive access. So we're giving it away. Go check it out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, simply the Bronx Cheer Basketball, and go follow the instructions to try and enter to win that jersey. Uh, JL, I will talk to you on Saturday. I'll see you then, mate.